everyone. Welcome to episode six of Tent Pegs and Tabernacles. We're going to approach this episode a little differently than we have our first five episodes. Most of these have been sort of public conversations between me and Delana, you know, shared with the world. And there will be a little bit of that at the beginning of this episode. But the major focus of this episode is that we would like to share with you a message from Lou Engel that has made a deep impact on our lives. And it's one of these messages that I just have like this deep conviction everyone in the church needs to hear because it's so empowering and so equipping. But the reason I want to share this is not just because of the message itself, but also it gives us an opportunity to talk about some values in our own life that has really shaped us and led to this tent peg tabernacle lifestyle, this following of the voice of God. So, you know, there are a lot of leaders that have impacted our lives. You know, whenever you hear these episodes, you hear Karen Wheaton's name a lot. Obviously, we've served directly under her leadership, and her leadership has shaped us in so many ways. Um, And we can go and talk about other leaders, but one of the voices that has impacted us so deeply is the voice of Lou Engel. His life, his ministry, his example, what he carries from God, it's made a deep impact. And in many ways, his voice has been foundational to our relationship. Um, and it's introduced us to lots of different things, Nazarite lifestyle, prayer and fasting, you know, a Daniel rhythm of walking with God, um, but also this whole world of the dream stream. So I'm trying to figure out where to sort of jump into this conversationally. Um, the reason I want to highlight this, again, is because of the values that it implanted within us, but I also want to describe this in a way to show you how God, in many ways, is writing your story more than you know. And individual moments of encounters with God that you experience, sometimes they're part of a much bigger storyline. And so I want to talk about a few of those moments that we've had in terms of interaction with Lou, how it shaped us, and how it's really shaped our relationship. So, Love, why don't you describe to us your first moment being at a Lou Engel event, and then I kind of want to describe mine, and then I want to talk about how those blend together. Yeah, so I remember, I'm trying to think what year it was, probably 2000, oh, I can't remember, early 2000s, probably two or three, maybe, maybe, yeah, somewhere in there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I was out visiting some friends in Northern California, and shortly after I landed, you know, we, we got there very, very late at night, kind of. Uh, went to sleep really late. Um, and they were like, Hey, we're going to get up really early the next morning and go to this like event with our young adult group at church. And so we just kind of got swept up into that little, you know, young adult trip. And so I found myself riding in a car and pulling up to Candlestick Park (laughs) in San Francisco. And it was the former 49ers, the former 49ers stadium. Stadium. Yeah. 
And so I'm like, what are we doing at Candlestick? And which was cool that we were there, but we go inside the stadium and we're, you know, we're in there. I'm like on the field and looking at this, you know, stage going on. And it's like, I had just really gotten into listening to Jason Upton and he had really come on the scene and, and, uh, I see Jason Upton up there on the stage. I'm like, wait a second. I know who that is. I, at this point I had no idea what event I was at. There's like some kind of prayer event. And then I see this, this man on the platform who was like rocking back and forth and like with this deep raspy voice praying. And this thing is like so aggressive. I'm like, I have never been a part of anything like this in my life. What is this? And I didn't realize until later I was actually at the call San Francisco which is so funny. This is before I even knew what the call events were. I was, I was really fresh out of college and really kind of starting to make some of these connections with like these emerging leaders, you know, that I had no idea were going to be shaping my life for the years to come. Amazing. So that's your introduction to Lou. Right. You're in Candlestick Park and there's this burning man of prayer <laughs> rocking and praying with a raspy voice. Absolutely. So my introduction to Lou is in some ways similar, but in some ways very different in terms of the environment. So, you know, we're part of a ministry called The Ramp, and The Ramp's ministry team is named Chosen. It's a team that ministers in different ways, dance, drama, and all kinds of stuff, all right? So we were both a part of that team. I joined that team in 2003. So my very first trip with Chosen, we go to Pulaski, Tennessee. When we get there, I don't really know much about the event that we're even going to, but we get there, we go to this event, and it's some kind of event connected to praying for justice, revival and justice in America. It's like praying focused on repentance for injustices of the past. So Pulaski, I believe, is situated on the Trail of Tears, so there was that element of prayer and repentance and intercession. But there was also, what another significant thing about Pulaski is that it is the birthplace of the KKK. So there was a lot of prayer over breaking racism and unity in the body of Christ. Okay, so we show up to this event, and when I get there, similar to Delena, I see this guy on the platform that will not, he's just rocking back and, back and forth, praying with this raspy voice, so intense, and this is my first trip ever with the ministry team of the ramp. And I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? What am I a part of? But it made a deep impact on me. From there, I got this album called Extreme Disciples. Oh, yeah. And the whole album is just Lou Engle praying. And it's just <laughs> like, I, I, maybe you've, I don't know if you've ever heard of albums like that, but it's just an album of prayer. Go look it up. Go look it up, Extreme Disciples. And so he's just praying, and it made a big impact on me. Then later, I got another album of prayer from Lou's ministry. It was called The Life Album, and it was specifically targeted to praying for the ending of abortion in America. And so I'm listening to that album when I'm at university. For our American listeners, you know, that's what we say in the UK is at university. Anyway, that's different vernacular. But when I was at university, I was praying and um, listening to this album, and Jesse Engel, Lou's son, prays a prayer, and he says, God, raise up the Daniels. And in that moment, my heart is gripped because I hear the Lord's voice in that, calling me to a Daniel-type lifestyle of prayer, fasting, consecration. So this kind of goes back, but what's funny is Lou is actually kind of a part of even 
the formation of our dating relationship. Why don't you describe that a little? Yeah. So obviously, you know, when I went to, um, the call San Francisco is not, I had never been to the ramp at this point. Actually, I think it was 2003. And in 2004 is when I went to the ramp. And then I find out basically that that whole crew is fired up about this guy named Lou Engel and digesting all this stuff that you're talking about. And so there was that initial, could that was, I feel like that's a necessary part is that we had these separate things, but then it was all kind of married within this ministry we're a part of, you know, being on chosen. And um, so while we're both on chosen, that's where Mike and I met for those of you who don't know that while we're, we're, you know, a part of that team, we end up doing a week of ministry with Lou he came to the state of Alabama and was doing this tour and um, this this life tour. And so we're, you know, touring around with him and a, a solid week of doing all of these prayer events. And it was really an amazing week. But like, I remember being so gripped with this issue of, you know, praying for the ending of abortion. Lou was just on fire believing for this to be overturned, Roe versus Wade to be overturned. And so you know, we had, for those who remember that, you know, we had life tape over our mouths standing at the Supreme Court. You know, we have life bands on. And it was really a, that week that we were with Lou is really kind of the formation of Micah and I's connection, even in relationship that led to, you know, a dating relationship and then marriage. Yeah, which is kind of funny. You're like, some of you may be thinking, how is a week of prayer and fasting <laughs> for the ending of abortion and for revival in America, how's that like, how is that conducive to a romantic development? And I think the answer is while we're like all on all these road trips, going to all these places in Alabama, it creates opportunities for discussions on the road. And in the middle of the, those discussions, discovering values Absolutely. that we're both burning with. Uh, values in God's kingdom and what that looks like. So, yeah. and then I think one more loose story. Then I'll introduce the the teaching we're going to share. Is not only was a lot of the foundational dating, you know, moments facilitated by you know embracing Lou's voice, but also even some family values for us. You know, we with with chosen went to what they call a prayer rumble in Washington D.C with Lou, and a big emphasis of that prayer rumble was praying for kingdom, the kingdom value of family, that God doesn't look at family as something that's a distraction from kingdom work or something that's an annoyance, but it's actually part of God's plan for the earth. And though we were not even engaged yet, that event, I think, shaped us deeply in terms of our own value system for family, for children, for having children, and our children being signs and wonders, you know, really desiring that our family becomes an expression of God's kingdom into the earth. Yeah. And I would also say, I think, you know, lose voice and his example to us has really shaped a lot of our values, our value system, but also the way in which we really, we really live out of that example and how we live our lives. I mean, I think even the, the crazy idea of us following dreams and the word of the Lord in different ways to even make this move with our family, you know, halfway around the world, it's, it's because of, you know, obviously it's the Lord, but it's, you know, highly attributable to lose influence 
you know, others as well, but he's a significant one there that taught us the value of paying attention to your dreams, you know, and doing crazy things based on the word of the Lord that, you know, just seem illogical to a lot of people, but it's the wisdom of the Lord. And so I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, me too. So you'll hear some of that in the message that you're about to hear from Lou. He preaches this message at the ramp in 2005. And it's a little bit of a, um, it's not different for Lou in terms of content, but in some ways it is because most of the time Lou preaches, he is mobilizing for an assignment. But this was an opportunity for him to preach at the ramp in a way where he had already done some mobilizing. And so in this message, he is just teaching out of his own experience about a lifestyle of prayer. So the topic is focused primarily on prayer. However, one of the reasons why I want to share it is because it does introduce these other ideas of living a life of friendship with God that is open to what Lou calls the dream stream and responding to the initiatives of heaven. Yeah, and I think a big reason why we want to share this is because everything we're talking about on this podcast, this is the framework. You know, this is like one of those to really understand it. It's like this explains so much of the way that we think, the way we make our decisions, like our, the way we view um, so many different things. And I also want to say it's, um, he's teaching, he is teaching on prayer, but it is, he does it from such a different angle than most people do on prayer. And it's very liberating. It makes um, the idea of prayer not so, um, you know, a difficult thing to to grasp or feel like, oh, am I ever going to be good at this? He just, it, he really talks about in humility, just the messiness of his process and how, you know, he never had a mentor in prayer. And it's just, it gives so much hope for everyone to start where you are and to just have relationship with God, friendship with God. Amen. So without further ado, here is Lou Engel teaching on prayer at the ramp. Let me just say that I am not a great prayer. People have introduced me and said, Lou Engel has prayed for six hours a day for revival for 20 years. I'm thinking, where did they get that myth? (laughs) Sometimes six minutes a day. I want to just say to you, there's no great praying people. But I'll just share some things with you that I hope will help you in your own prayer life. To me, prayer is not just, go- I started this way, but it, it kind of a bummer. I just would, nobody told me how to pray, so I would just pray a list and just pray the list. Now, it actually happened that what I prayed on the list actually happened, <laughs> but I hated praying. <laughs> oh, God, pray for her. But I, my, even my prayer life has changed from years. All I would do would just be before the face of God and I would just yell at him. <laughs> God, say revival. So, revival, revival, revival. It's the only thing I can pray for, you know. It was, it was good prayer. It happened. <laughs> You know, I'm sitting in the answer of my prayers 20 years ago. I'm standing right here in the answers of my, you are the answers to my prayers. Come on. Listen, you got to sow in the dust long enough 
You, you, you got to cast your seed into the dust and in the dry before it gets to the green days. Many, many years of sowing those dusty seeds. And you, listen, boring prayer meetings are the most powerful prayer meetings in the earth. If you can keep praying in its boring days, come on, you'll come to the days when there's fire. I've been, most of the prayer meetings in my life have been boring. So, so get in your little boring youth group prayer meetings and keep on with your boring youth group prayer meetings. Because God can see that you're, you're committed to, even when it's boring. I think he looks on and says, check the dudes out. They're praying in the dry days. The days come when the rains come. And then anybody can pray. But me, I don't want to just be a part of a when, it, when the rain comes. I want to be a part that bursts the movement. I want to be a breaker that's shattering out when it's all dry and dusty, saying, God, there's going to be a cloud burst. Anyway, I can't go on like this. Like I was supposed to talk about prayer. <laughs> but I'll tell you, if I could just challenge you, the best thing you can do for your life is get in a band of committed young, uh, young men and women who are determined we're going to just pray every day. I'm just gonna pray even though we don't know how to pray because nobody ever taught me to pray. I've never had a mentor in prayer. I just did it. I've rocked and I've prayed. You need some headbangers in the earth. You gotta dig wells. You pump that something out of there. <laughs> but to me, to, to me, I think the, the, the thing of prayer has come to me is that prayer more than anything is friendship with God. It's, it, it really is not about if you can say enough words before the throne. My prayers have become now hours of reading, pondering, meditating until a fire begins to burn inside of me. I, here's what it says. This, this is the goal of my life. Verse 16 of 18 of Genesis, then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? To me, this is one of the most powerful scriptures. He's basically saying, he's having a council meeting in heaven saying, can we let Lou into what we're doing? This is a profound thing that heaven would have a council meeting that two angels and God would huddle together and say, shall we let Abraham into our secrets? That to me rocks me more than anything. I want to be a friend of God. Who do you share your secrets with? Your friends. You become a friend of God. Say, I want to be a friend of, would you pray that right now? I don't want you to pray it with me. Make me a friend of God. Share your secrets with me. Go ahead and ask him right now. Starting today, I want to become a friend of God. Ask him. This could be the most powerful prayer of your life. This could be the turning point of your whole life. Go ahead. Ask him out loud. Begin to ask him. God, make me a friend of God. Go ahead. Pray, God. I pray, Lord, make me a friend of God. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he says to him, he's coming down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And then the Bible says that Abraham stood before the Lord. Let me just say this about prayer. The most powerful kind of prayer is prayer that heaven initiates. It's prayer that heaven initiates. So the key to prayer is to understand the initiations of God calling you to prayer. So I don't pray prayerless anymore. I thank God for intercessors who do. There are some people that can do that. I, I, I can't do it. I have to be hearing. Here, here's prayer. For from him and through him and to him are all things. What comes from him through you and back to him is effective prayer. So you are looking for his secrets. You are looking for his initiations. When initiations come, you're not doing religious sacrifices. When his initiations come, it creates a burning fire and an inward faith that when you are praying it back to him, it is already that he has prayed it and you are becoming his vessel to pray it back to him. Earth beings are hearing the initiation of heaven and then turning that prayer back into heaven that God in the heavens can act only when earth beings agree with him on the ground. But it's not that you are doing your deal, you are doing his deal. Now, the, the, the neat thing, and if you guys can work in this corporate stuff and with your own, in your own individual lives and prayer, is know the initiatives of God. And you, it becomes a, a lifetime exploration. It's so fun. <laughs> prayer is so fun. You don't have to feel guilty that you didn't pray 20 minutes. You're just trying to be a friend of God. I'm loving God. I've worshiped you here today. I put, listen, listen, when I, when I, you know, you, you go out with your wife or you go out with your girlfriend. If you don't go, you probably don't go out because it's a bunch of Nazarites, but um, <laughs> listen, you don't always do the same thing. Let your prayer be all kinds of diverse. Put on a CD. I prayer walk. You know, you can do it all. You can do anything you want. You can lay down, pray. Don't feel guilty if you fall asleep in prayer. I, I tell you, my best prayers are when I fell asleep. God, give me a dream and tell me what I wanted to pray. I like it. There's so much religious bogus out there that puts people in bondage over the issue of prayer. Listen, as a dad, I'm not freaking out when my kid falls asleep when I'm talking to him. Then I get a kiss on him. Huh? Blow away the religious systems. You gotta do this and you gotta do this. It's relationship and it's friendship. That's what it is. And if you don't do it right, who cares? Really? Otherwise, I'd throw myself in a big tizzy I, because literally I could feel guilty that I preach prayer, but I'm a pitiful prayer. Sometimes I just, I don't even, I can't even pray. I do best when I get in an assignment, then I'm a bulldog. <sighs> Long term, give me 40. I do better days, 40 day fast. I do better on 40 day fast than on one day fast. Because <laughs> I'm locking on. <laughs> I was just for a teaching on prayer. I'm sure you're all confused. 
tell you. Let's just get off this and God loves us. Just the fact that we're hanging with him just thrills his heart. It's not looking at your failures. You're coming through the blood of Jesus. You have access. Get rid of your shame. Stop, and stop being in the spiral of shame. So you sinned last night. God help us. As if you weren't a human. I'm not encouraging a, a, a sin and, a, a, and, and looseness in living. I'm saying that only friendship with God is powerful enough to deliver us from the lusts of the world. And it starts with simply believing that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So really prayer starts there. But let me just talk about this initiatives and the initiations of heaven. Now, and I shared it last night, you, a couple things. You get excited in this exploration of hearing the voice of God. It doesn't get boring. I want to encourage you every morning develop this habit. You're sleeping. And the first thing you do in, this, in the morning is, what did I see? Because God is coming to your generation with dreams. He, now, many of you are getting nightmares. The days will change. You keep purifying your life. Your nightmares become to dreams. You're just a perverted prophet right now. all my dreams in the past are all perverted dreams because I was perverted. But as you're cleansing yourself, you become a channel for divine communication. The Bible says in Psalm 50 and Isaiah 50, he wakens me morning by morning like one being taught. So what you do is you wake him in the morning ready to be taught from heaven. And you say, what did I see? And you begin to pull back the dreams that are already flying away. How many have, have any dreams that ever flew away? <laughs> I had a friend had a dream and he saw the Bible open and a hand of God coming down out of heaven pointed to the Bible and the scripture says, this is the will of God for your life. And he woke up and he forgot the scripture. <laughs> Listen, if you treat your... <laughs> Bummer! See, most people don't get prophetic in, uh, uh, revelation because they don't treat it as holy. To him who has, more shall be given. If you cultivate a hearing ear, God will entrust you with more. I believe God wants to entrust this generation with dreams founded upon God's word. God's word is foundational. And at this stage of the game, you should always be checking your dreams out with those who have spiritual covering and authority. You don't want to be good, getting a dream that you killed somebody and then go do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you get weirdos out there. He says, move to Colorado in the dream. They go, move. Well, it's 20 years from now the dream was, but you just didn't understand the timing. So you've got, it's, it's a slippery slope in the prophetic realm. But I tell you what, you can close the windows and keep all the bugs out, but you won't ever have fresh air. Give me the prophetic with all of its bugs rather than a dead, enclosed religious system. You can't hear its voice. Ha! <laughs> You know what I'm saying? 
The joy of this thing is you get to be a friend of God. So you wake up in the morning, the first thing is just, what would I see? And you pull back, and then you take your dream, and, and you begin to remember your dreams, and you just start to, to be faithful. You journal. You put a piece of paper and a pen next to your bed, and you journal. What, and some your dreams for a while, maybe for the next three, four years, it's going to be just, or maybe it's not true because God's going to bomb you with revelation. You write down those dreams and you begin to, to go through those symbols. What do they mean to you? Dreams are communication that you might understand not to keep you in the dark. The problem is that we have become so theologically minded we can't think as children anymore. The kingdom comes to little children and God has memorized your language. <laughs> Come on, this is the glory of it. God has studied your language. He has flipped back through your journals and seen things that you wrote that meant something to you. And in dreams, he pulls them back from your journals and drops them down into you now so that you know what those symbols mean. The reason I've gotten dreams about basketball courts is because basketball means something to me. Don't you love this? The king of the universe has not said, learn my language. He has come to learn your language and to communicate it to you alone, God. God. Isn't that incredible? That's why unbelievers are going to be bombed from heaven as we're praying into the heavens. Heaven is going to be made alive with the dreams of heaven over all flesh. And unbelievers will be getting dreams like crazy about Jesus. So in prayer, I here's what I... I, I, you should pray the scriptures. Learn to pray the scriptures. Scriptures that mean stuff to you. Scriptures that come alive. The second thing is pray your prophecies. And that's what I do most of all. Because I love praying the scriptures, but I love it when God takes prophetic revelation and makes it personal for me. When it becomes personal for me, then I know that I am praying on a rhema word from heaven. It's the will of God. It's not a scattered kind of prayer. I know what I'm targeting, and that's how God has spoken to me in dreams. I pray my dreams. For instance, you should be praying your calling all the time. Don't take for granted that just because you're called, it's going to happen. You bring, you call, you pray, pray that calling down upon you. I read a book on Frank Bartleman. Intercessor for the Azusa Street Revival. I'm in Pasadena. I picked up this book. He was an intercessor. Prayed the whole year of 2005, uh, 19, uh, 1905. It's 100 years from that date. And he groaned all year long, praying Pasadena for Christ. So I, I prayed, and this book lit me on fire, how the Azusa Street Revival, born out of his intercessions and many others. And one night I was so possessed that I'd gone on an 18-day fast and I began to cry out, Give me the mantle of Frank Bartleman. I want to pray like that man. God, I don't want to just read about revival. I want to see it. I want my kids. And for two hours I screamed and cried to God. Why? It, the initiatives of heaven. The book lit me on fire. God is in books. And when you read a book that makes you all alive, it's because you're in the book. Your name is in the book. I pray what lights me on fire because the spirit of God within you is the spirit of fire. We're just, this is so key. Follow the fire. 
That's all I do in life. I follow whatever's burning inside of me. That's why I never thought I would go on abortion until God began to bomb me with dreams and stuff. Now I know I'm on fire for this abortion issue. Why? It's a divine assignment inside of me. Hear me? Crowd, give me the mantle of Frank Bartleman. I'm going to sleep that night. I'd prayed for two hours. Guy walks up to me the next morning and says, Lou, I had a dream of you last night. In this dream, I saw a big black book in the front of it said Revival. I turned the inside of the cover and I saw a guy's face. He said, Lou, and his name was Frank Bartleman. And his face turned to your face, Lou. And instantly I knew that there was a divine calling. For years I prayed that Bartleman prayer. God, revival, Pasadena for Christ, Frank Bartleman's mantle. I have not taken it for granted. I've gone after it over and over. Don't be ashamed to pray for something over and over and over again. You're accumulating something before the throne. Hear me on this thing. It's very important. God then begins, when you begin to take the divine communication that's come to your heart and you begin to feed it with prayer, then what he does is he gives you more and he baptizes you into such a sense of confidence that you know you are praying the will of God. That's how it happened. Right out, soon after this, this Bartleman, a black lady walks up to me in a women's aglow meeting. I wasn't even the speaker. I don't even know I was there. All these women are just there. This black lady walks up to me and she says, you know, 1906, there's this man named Frank Bartleman praying with a black lady. She said, I feel like I'm that black lady looking for that Bartleman. I said, lady, we got to talk. <laughs> now you see how, what happens when God begins to initiate things. Now you're, you're a bundle of fire. <laughs> it's how it works. So I am not trying to pray everything. I'm trying to pray what puts fire, what fire is burning in me. I pray divine revelation. I pray the scriptures. For instance, I have a, a man in Colorado where we're praying for 50 days. He has a dream that I'm build, we're building our house next door to the White House. And we're stretching out a plumb line over it. A plumb line is a measuring line to keep, it, to keep the wall straight when you're building. And in that, we're, we're stretching out a plumb line over it. Well, I'm there in Colorado Springs, and I'm weeping before the Lord, and I come to a defining moment where I have to make a decision. I'm going to stay on, uh, in this in the situation, where I, or I'm going to leave it all, risk it all, and go follow Christ. And basically, I said, I was crying out to God, God, I can't hear it from another man anymore. I've got to have you face to face. And God drives me to Zechariah and it says this, I am exceeding jealous for Jerusalem. And the Lord speaks to me, DC is your Jerusalem. He says, and I will build my house in it and stretch out my measuring line over it. And whoosh, the spirit of faith, the dream came and then the scripture came and put faith in my heart. I'm going to DC to build a house of prayer next door to the White House to stretch out a measuring line, to call it into accountability. God. So I get there, and on Pennsylvania Avenue, the White House is on Pennsylvania Avenue. The door opens for this house of prayer. And I'm thinking, this is my house next to the house, White House, and I got a measuring line. Now, you see what I'm saying? How this works? Divine communication. Here's what I want to encourage you. I would encourage you to gather together in small groups when you get... And just begin to say, did you have a dream last night? 
Begin to share your dreams. Begin to share your scriptures. And what will happen is divine counsel from heaven. The council meeting of heaven will drop it. God has a council room. Did you know that? It's where he makes his decisions. I don't think God is... I got to just start to pray, but... See, I, I think God is not a dictator in heaven. He invites the angelic beings to give their input into his counsel. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He's not a dictator, he's a father. And he invites human beings to go up into his counsel room. There's a phenomenon, listen to me right now, I'm gonna release some. There's a phenomena going on now, and it's called, there's a book called The Throne Room Company. People are going to heaven like beam me up, Scotty. There has a door been opened and people are literally going up into heaven and seeing the council room of heaven. This is so exciting. This has been happening, hasn't it? People are going to heaven and seeing the council room. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for that. There's a phenomenon all across the world. People are now being beamed up. Why? It's, it's, it's revelations. Come up here. Come up. A door. I saw a door open. And, and, the, and the, I heard a trumpet voice. He said, come up here. God is beginning to Not rapturing us physically. He's rapturing us in the spirit realm. To get us into the place where we hear the secrets of God and see what's going on there. If you can see what's in the heavens, then you can call it forth on the earth. I want you to pray right now. Give me eyes. Go ahead. Begin to lift your hands. Begin to pray. Give me eyes. Beam me up. Take me into the council room. I want to hear your voice. Right now, create a hunger in this place. A hunger to stand in the throne room of heaven, God. That God, right out of this place, there will be divine encounters begin to take place, God. Where young men and women will be going into the heavens. Hearing the voice of God, Lord, the last day's generation, I saw a woman giving birth to a man-child, and he was caught up into heaven. I pray this man-child generation, just like Christ, would be caught up into heavenly revelation, God. Would you pray right now? Pray. Begin it. Go ahead and stand. I want you to begin to pray. Pray, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You should pray that prayer. It's what God initiates. What's burning inside you? What is the fire that grips you? What are the dreams that are coming? What are the things that are stirring in your heart? Pray those things because God is initiating those things. But I tell you, there's a higher realm and it's literally going into heaven. Lift your voices and begin to cry. Grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. God, I am hungry to know you face to face. Go ahead. Pray. Go ahead and pray. Thank you guys for listening to that message from Lou. If you're like me, you have tears in your eyes right now and you're so stirred to pray. So I'll just simply close this episode by praying that what God has spoken to you through Lou's message would really go deep, take root, and bear good fruit in your life. So Father, we thank you for this message from Lou Engel about friendship with God, about living a life of prayer, and walking and responding to the initiatives of heaven. So Lord, may this word go deep in our hearts, and we want to see transformation because of it. Father, I thank you for every listener of this podcast, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.